0: welcome to the sap concur conversation podcast each episode we sit down with industry experts visionaries and leaders as they share what it takes to build forward thinking spend and travel programs our goal is to get you thinking differently about how your business spends its time and money i'm your host jean Dion. i'm the vice president of the value experience team here at sap concur my team works with our customers to deliver positive business outcomes based on data driven insights Today, I'm joined by Sammy Lakshman and John McCormick of PwC and we're going to tackle a topic that we here at SAP Concur are passionate about, that's corporate sustainability. We're going to explore things like how businesses can report on ESG with a high level of trust and use sustainability data for growth. Recent shifts in the world of corporate sustainability and the impact of those changes. And how businesses can leverage data and reporting to make sustainability decisions and deliver on those commitments. This is sure to be a can't miss conversation. But before we dive in, let's do some introductions. Sammy, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners?
1: Yeah, sure. Happy to and and Gene, thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate being here. As Gene mentioned, I'm Sammy, am with PwC, I look after uh, a number of things here in the in the PwC world around ESG and sustainability, right? And for me, it's a big passion. I've actually been in the ESG space for about 23 years now. I've done projects literally from Papua New Guinea to Alaska in every sector. I do like to say I was doing sustainability well before anyone cared. Whereas obviously now it's it's pretty material. So and a big fan of this topic because I I am one of our resident road Warrior. So I'm in a different city pretty much every day. So this is very passionate to me. So
0: sustainability before it was cool.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: And John, would you mind going ahead and introducing yourself?
2: Sure, Gene. thanks again for the opportunity. My name is John McCormick. I'm a partner in PwC. I sit in our cloud and digital practice in the SAP ecosystem where I'm responsible for most of the cloud total workforce management solutions. And I have the privilege of being our concur practice leader too. So really looking forward to the conversation today and how we can help our folks get some more information on this.
0: Yeah. So I want to dive right in because I also am really curious about sustainability and it's one of the things that are top of mind for me. I know a lot of companies are committing to that net zero threshold, but I'm trying to figure out what companies really are actually doing this isn't really just reporting to check a box is it Reporting's just part of it. The entire program that results in reporting is really what we want to talk about. So, Sammy, I'm wondering if you would be willing to talk about the two shifts that have recently happened in the world that have really brought this to the fore for every corporation.
1: Yeah, no, happy to. It is important to talk about the reporting one because I think that is a, it is a key one. I, I think the big difference, and especially having been in this for 20 years, is Fundamentally, about eight to twelve months ago, it became mandatory, or at least is becoming mandatory for a number of companies, right? So, you've seen, you know, the European Union with their corporate sustainability reporting directive (CSRD) as it's known. They published their their rules. You're seeing the SEC propose rules. You've seen the federal government here in the U.S. propose its rules. California is now proposing rules. All of this is around climate. What's different about that? Well, previously, yes, people used to report, but it was under a voluntary sort of scheme and now it's mandatory, right? And it's linked to your financial reporting. So as you start to think about that in a, in a different context, think about it in the context of financial reporting and all the, the rigor and the assurance that needs to go into it, That's what's happening now. That shift that you're seeing from sort of voluntary to mandated regulatory reporting is absolutely critical, right? And what you're seeing there is also just another shift in that because it's now linked to financial reporting. Let's just take the SEC, assuming that rule does proceed forward. You know, people used to take 180 days to generate their sustainability report. Now you got less than 20, right? And so now you're seeing the need for automation. You're seeing the need for robustness. I mean, you wouldn't want to manage your financial statement on a bunch of Excel spreadsheets, right? You want industrialization, you want some rigor around it. So really, really critical to think about it that way. The other crazy example, and I have to say this because apparently I work for an accounting company, but I always refer people back to tax, right? Um, if you think about your 1099 form, you would hate it if you got your you know, 1099 and you're like, eh, I'm not really sure if that number on box 1A is correct or not, right? Like you think about it when you get to those forms, you trust that number. Yeah, we don't have that same level of trust as you can think about in in the sustainability numbers, right? That's hence greenwashing, that doubt and and that uncertainty. We need to get that rigor in place. So, So that's absolutely critical. The second big driver that I see is this is becoming materially important for clients and customers, right? So as you think about as companies are, are activating why are they doing this for their own purposes their own reasons etc they're, they're doing it because it's it's important to all their stakeholders that could be investors that could be their personal customers that could be business customers it's also important to our their employees and keep in mind when we talk about sustainability it's not just carbon it's diversity it's equality it's inclusion it's biodiversity it's circularity plastic packaging etc all of those things apply and so therefore You're starting to see customers make very different decisions based on a company's sustainability performance, which, by the way, they have to trust that number, hence the bit around the reporting and the regulations around it. But absolutely critical that companies can leverage that sustainability data, not just to report, right, because obviously you can report it and there's my number but actually do something different with my number. You go to net zero or net positive, just to think in a slightly different way and really drive value and then use that sustainability performance to truly drive growth. And so we can think about it from that perspective. You know, those two fundamental shifts, those two market drivers of sort of internal out, you know, addressing your customers and your stakeholders, the external pressure, both from regulators. And I'm also going to say customers because a lot of customers are now going, hmm. I need you to be have a science based target i need you to be ethically sourcing your cotton or whatever it might be so that you're seeing those big giant pushes coming in
0: yeah so when we think about those big giant pushes and we think about where customers are going you've just mentioned we've got a short amount of time to really get our houses in order while some people have been doing it in the process in a less structured organization or type of reporting What are you hearing from your customers about what they need most from reporting john I don't know if you have any customers who are reaching back to you, but how are they linking this back and what are the big pieces that they're looking at when they think about sustainability.
2: I would say, as you mentioned earlier, the customers, and as Sammy pointed out, they're getting past checking the box for environmental reporting. And in the Concur space, we want to make it simple for them. And I know Concur offers a lot of that opportunity. We want to provide business travelers with an efficient way to book travel with sustainable options uh, that are in the Concur travel options where the CO2 emission rate is displayed employees wanna know and will know how much they can reduce their carbon footprint while supporting the company's commitment to reducing the carbon footprint to get to net zero or positive, and that rate is displayed. And as, as Sammy said, a lot of our Gen Zers and millennials really are looking at that from a perspective of, you know, really wanting to help the environment and want to make sure that they're doing their part in their job as well. The uh, Concare Travel can recommend clients' preferred hotels and rental car vendors that are green partners, taking a look at that and who was the most compliant. You can also include a message about the benefit of selecting preferred vendors. So our clients and, and customers are asking for that even so much as pushing for hybrid vehicles when renting cars, all of those are things that clients who weren't asking for that years ago are now asking for as out of the box opportunity for them to use these experiences. And then, you know, even I know it probably goes without saying, but saving the carbon footprint with uh, e-receipts and things of that nature and not having mailing in your receipts is another big opportunity. So basically you know from giving the individual footprint for an employee traveling that map into those reports is really important
0: yeah i'm glad you mentioned the whole idea around preferred vendors because this is a little pet peeve of mine and a little topic that i've been following within our customer data and what i'm discovering is we've had a lot of Lack of use of preferred vendors preferred vendors are there, but people are using other vendors, and I think this ties back to sustainability can really be supported by going back to the basics right that enforcement of using those preferred vendors who will match your corporate culture around sustainability and your sustainability goals and use the reporting within concur to then go back and ask your employees why they didn't use that preferred vendor who does support the corporate goals for sustainability, this is really just. Basics of travel, this is travel 101 and I think the past few years have gotten us away from that, so I appreciate you bringing that up, because this is one of the areas that I think about when I think about sustainability. It's using those systems that you already have in place to ensure that not only you're reaching your goals from sustainability, but you're also reaching your budgetary goals as well. And when I think about that idea of budgetary goals, I also think about how businesses are looking at hitting those targets for travel sustainability, you know, that idea of supply versus demand. One of the things that comes to mind is like sustainable aviation fuel being one of the examples. You know, it's a cost either way, right? It's gonna be a sustainability cost or it's gonna be a budgetary cost. Has this become something that you've shared with your customers as part of a strategy when they're looking at sustainability? It's not just the carbon footprint, there's other ways to offset your carbon with, other programs.
1: Absolutely. I mean, from from my perspective, if it was just a single step, then it would be easy. Everybody would have done it by now, right? If you if you take a step back and look at all the complexities, I mean, even us as an organization, as we travel around, I'm, you know, I'm on the road today, you know, everything from the aircraft that I flew, what type of aircraft, the the fuel that it's using, the hotel that I'm staying at, does it have LEDs? All of those things make a difference. But those aren't the only aspects, right? So there's lots of different ways to get there. And I think, you know, for companies, the question is less of, can I decarbonize? Because we can, right? And can I be more sustainable? Because we can. The question is, what's the best way to do that? And I think at this stage in the maturity, as technology evolves, as as things are are, are working, you know, there's a bit of a maturity curve that's happening around this. And therefore companies like ourselves are, you know, willing to invest to make some of those early technologies like sustainable aviation fuel or SAF to be much more affordable and effective equally for us as an organization, we need it. We, we have a science-based target that's out there. And, you know, if you think about our biggest emission footprint is is the travel that we do as consultants, we're running around the world, et cetera. How can I reduce my footprint, whether it's my carbon footprint, but also communicate because I'm also trying to reduce my clients' Footprints, because I'm a contributor to this. Coming back to what I see in the system, and, and you know, love to get your everybody's thoughts around this. But how do I make it easier for someone like me? How do I get visibility? You know, sitting in a hit city today with lots of choices. You know, once again, airlines, hotel chains, etc. How do I pick the right one? How do I pick the most sustainable one? But Equally has all the other amenities that I really like around my loyalty programs and preferred suppliers, et cetera. I think I think there's a way to think about that all holistically, and you know, may be effective, so to speak.
0: I think it ties back to something that you just said. It's you know, it's not that you don't know how to do it. It's how do you do it effectively and appropriately right so it's that idea you mentioned something about you know it's the type of plane it's how you know whether it's one leg or two legs i even think about class of service i can actually travel in business class but do i should i what decision am i going to make if it's a two-hour flight Why would I move to business class I can just sit in, in the main cabin and the sustainability there and the CO footprint that I have there is going to be much different than if I'm sitting in business class. So it's those kind of individual decisions, and we see a lot of younger employees who are really pushing the envelope on this I sometimes think that sustainability programs. And, and it's the entire ESG right, as you mentioned earlier it's not just carbon footprint Sammy it's everything it's diversity it's inclusion it's environmental it's social. When I think about our younger employees they're really pushing the envelope, and this becomes almost a benefit when you think about these employees as they're coming into the organization. Are you seeing more of that where we're starting to think about these environmental practices as a way to recruit and retain versus just provide business travel?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. The best example I can give you, just, just as a quick story and as a side, we launched uh, in our own internal training academy and all that kind of stuff, we, we launched ESG 101. And we didn't tell anybody about it we just literally launched it on a friday didn't tell anybody didn't advertise didn't send any emails we had somewhere around four to five thousand consultants sign up on day one just wow. they were looking for it they were hungry for it they just literally just signed up the day, day that launched we had five thousand people sign up without any sort of a heads up so absolutely i mean i think it's it's a huge passion you're seeing you know, I, I think it's actually all generation, obviously the younger generation is, is probably most interested in it, but I think it's all generations that are sitting there kind of going, hmm, what can I do differently? How can I still achieve the business outcomes that I'm trying to do, but just do it in a much more sustainable way, whether it's choosing your fare of class. My personal pet peeve is I don't like staying in hotels that have single use plastics. Long story, but it's, you know, I, that's a real personal pet peeve of mine. Once again, I have freedom of choice of a lot of hotels. You know, how do I make that easier once again for me? But coming back to your question around the, uh, around the sort of the younger generation, this is actually a huge area for retention, right? When we start to look at the data, when you start to look at things like DEI, there is a business reason for it. When we started to think about things like inclusion and new hire integration, and by the way, there's no easy metric for n- inclusion. Diversity, yes, lots of good metrics. Inclusion, that's a this is bit difficult. of a free-for-all, difficult yeah. to measure. But when we did that, we are able to increase our retention rate and reduce our turnover rate, which has an absolute, you know, monetary benefit for the company in terms of retention and training costs, productivity costs. And so there is a direct link in our ability to think about things like inclusions to retention, to actual productivity and efficiencies and and profitability at the end of the day. Cause at the end of the day, we are businesses that are in the, in the, in the business of making money. We can just do it in a smarter way. Yeah. yeah
2: I would, Can I add to that a little bit, Sam? I guess not
1: not even like from
2: just the business world, but millennials and and Gen Z are, you know, the largest workforce in U.S. history. They're uh, expected to rise about 58% of the global workforce, you know, by 2030. Their attitudes, values, and risk tolerance, as you mentioned, can drive the growth of environmental ESG practices. Research shows that Gen Zs are willing to spend 10% more on sustainable products and in 2020, millennials contributed $51 billion to sustainable funds. So that's the way of life for them. My daughter's a sustainability major in college right now. So she reminds me all the time that from a Gen X perspective, we really need to be looking out for the planet as well. Uh, we, we are, but I think the Gen Z and the millennials are really going to drive this forward. You know, when you think about The salaries they make, but they're still willing to pay 10% more for eco-friendly products. That gives you something to think about that we are making a change for the better.
0: It's funny you say that. So my daughter is in the working world and she does a lot of business travel and she's the one who does spend a lot of time reminding me, even when we go on personal travel, as we're looking at the flights it's not so much the lowest logical fare anymore, whether it's business travel or personal travel. It's what's the lowest carbon footprint that we can have while we're going on this trip. And she's really, she's educated me a lot on where she wants the world to go. And it's it's my responsibility to ensure that she has a world that she can live in moving forward. And she's taking the responsibility, so I'm taking it as well. So I love that idea that our kids are teaching us. It's a great thing.
1: If I can build on it, I mean, to your point around the carbon footprint of, a, of an aircraft, uh, to me, it's table stakes. I, I find it amazing to this day, there's airlines that I can't find their CO2 footprint You know, when I book their fl- flights. Obviously, through Concur, I've got better visibility of that. But just on my own personal, I go try to book a flight, and there's still airlines that don't disclose that. And that, to me, that's, just, that's unacceptable in this day and age, just simply because I think it is important to be able to disclose that. Uh, You know, and I think the other thing too is there is a value to this because chances are, if you have a lower carbon footprint just on the same route, you're either flying a newer plane, which means it's a better, better plane in general, just because it's been outfitted, or you're using things like sustainable aviation fuel, which means they've actually sat down and thought about that. So it's generally going to be a better experience in some ways as, as you think about it. So, you know, another way to think about it, it's not just a Hey, I gotta reduce that number, but also think about it in the, the experience coming back to that world of, of travel and expense. Just there is an experience associated. And often at times you're not trading sustainability for a worse experience. In many cases, the more sustainable aircraft are actually the the more better aircraft.
0: hmm Yep agreed this kind of leads me to a little part and I recently had a conversation with a partner where we talked about greenwashing and even the idea of green hushing right the greenwashing on one hand that idea of you know making sure that having customer or having vendors who overstate some of what they're doing from a a sustainability perspective to the green hushing where a vendor won't even mention what they're doing for fear of being ridiculed or chastised or spoken of in a poor light in public when you think about these as customers are making decisions on business travels and brands are companies really trying to greenwash to get that business Um, i know it's hard for us to understand or to, to figure out and understand the the numbers that they're putting out there greenwashing is something that's new to all of us and as you mentioned earlier we're not really used to the numbers that are coming out there. There's no real structure so that we've seen so far. So people have a lot of questions about it. Are you optimistic that greenwashing is in the minority and not the majority?
1: Yeah, as you rightfully said, I, I'm definitely an optimist. You know, are there people that might be out there that are trying to greenwash? Yes, but there, I do agree it's in the minority. I think in general, I think companies are trying to do the right thing. You know, just in general, I think they're trying to do that now. The struggle is, one, they don't have easy access to the data. So they're out there making commitments without, one, understanding what those commitments are and and having the right data and that trustable, verifiable data to really back and uphold that promise and those commitments. I think our systems, just the fragmented nature of all the ESG data, all the spreadsheets that might be floating around, et cetera, et cetera, that I think make it a little bit more difficult. And I think coming back to that that sort of concept of trust, I think we just haven't built that ecosystem, right? Coming back to my tax form example and my, my financial data, we had 7,000 years to develop a ledger. People forget that. The first ledger came out in 5,000 B.C., we had 7,000 years to go figure that out yeah. and get it right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure there were a few missteps along the way that I'm sure we can all reflect on, but I won't talk about here. We don't have that kind of time for carbon, right? We we just don't. Whether it's 2030, 2050, you look at science-based targets, whatever version of climate change that you're you're looking at, and, and by version, I mean just, just however you're defining it for your own purposes – we do not have seven thousand years. We have to make a material change now, and so therefore, I think companies are trying to do that, but they need help. It's complex. It's not easy. The systems aren't there, and I think that's once again that's that's why I love these kinds of conversations because we're big organizations that are trying to get together and 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 help companies figure this out, which is the part that I'm you know super excited about because you know once again I think there's there's a huge opportunity ahead of us to you know, be more sustainable and profitable, right? Because, I mean, just at a fundamental level, the most sustainable companies are the ones that actually last the longest by definition. And so if you sort of think about standing the the sort of the test of time, they're going to be generally the more sustainable companies. So I think, I think there's a huge opportunity. On the greenwashing, we just need to give them the right tools to give them the better visibility, to make the right commitments, to make the right claims and feel solid around making those claims. Mm-hmm.
2: But well, given the table stakes and, you know, the new laws and regulations that are coming out, you know, there's not going to be much opportunity to continue that if any of our clients are doing the greenwashing. So, Sammy's right, we want to make sure that they have all the information in front of them to make those proper decisions and choices as they as they go forward.
0: So that kind of leads to one of the questions that I have when our customers are looking at what they need to do to keep in mind when they're putting together smart ESG goals? What are the business considerations that they should keep in mind? I mean, I understand that we've got not all sustainability initiatives really have the same impact. So how do they go about determining what they're going to do from a corporate perspective and what makes the most sense to them?
1: I think at a high level, the, the first thing I'm gonna say, is you gotta believe in the goals. Right. If you're if you're just stating a goal out there for the sake of stating a goal, I I think that's a fallacy. You got to believe in the goals. It's got to make sense to you for as a as an individual as a business because it's got to be something that the company itself can rally around. That's what I hear from my customers. Right. It's got to make sense for the company. Whatever goal is appropriate. Right. And and I think it's got to be achievable as well. Right. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to reduce my emissions by fifty percent. Go. I don't have a plan to go get there. And I'll You know, hope by twenty twenty nine somebody else figures out. I think I think you have to have a plan around that. I think coming back to the complexity, you don't have to solve for everything today, right? There's going to be stuff that's going to take time. It's going to take effort. It's going to be taking some thought around that, and it's going to take investment and partnership. But there are some definitely some things you can start to do today. You can fly more, you know, better aircraft. You can think about, you know, more sustainable flights. You can think about the lowest carbon routing to get to some place. So there are definitely the types of things that you can start to consider, but definitely take the patience to think through that. Be methodical about that and recognize that, you know, it's not a single step. It's a multi-step journey. And also equally, it's a team sport because of the nature of sustainability and scope three emissions and all that I'm invested as much in reducing my emissions for myself as for my customers and vice versa for the products that I purchase from them. And so it's a team sport that I think you can think about it, you know, a simple example. And, and, and John love to get your view on this from a, from, from a concur perspective, just, you know, basic things like you talked about a budget, you know, you got a carbon budget. Well, that's a pretty easy thing to go implement now. What's my carbon budget for my flights that I take a year, and just think through how that affects your travel uh, decisions, so to speak.
2: That's a great. That's a great point. I haven't necessarily heard customers talking about a carbon budget. But they are, you know, they are trying to at least get there by utilizing the green partners and things of that nature. But you make a good point. That should be the next step, and actually, as part of the measurement, and Kikar allows you to do that to get to a point where we do look at those choices what the uh, preferred partners folks are selecting. But I think back to um, what you had said, Sammy making it a goal, you know, making it a corporate value, I think will also not only, you know, is that important, but that'll help you decide that, yes, we have to measure this. Yes, the, our consumers are going to Buy based on our corporate values of sustainability. Yes, our employees are going to feel good about working here as part of that. So I think that it's it, you know it's a three-legged stool there. You want to do it you know because you're good corporate citizens, but you also want to do it to be viable in your industry and uh, have a good place uh, and a good experience for your employees to feel good about coming to work every day.
0: Wow, so we've covered a lot of ground here, a lot of information, so I like to figure out the three takeaways that I can take and bring back to our customer base to have conversations with them about how they're going to move forward in their ESG journeys. And so I just was wondering if I can bounce my three ideas off y'all and see if you agree with them or have anything that you might want to add to them so i'm just going to jump right in. Even though the numbers are new, what we really need to do is to trust the numbers that are coming out, so we need to develop some really good reporting strategies. And we're not just doing this to check a box we're doing this to provide actual actionable and reportable data to help our companies thrive. Does that sound like a takeaway that we would want to be bringing to our customer bases.
1: It does. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to add two quick caveats to that. So trust, but verify, right? So and that's the whole world of assurance that we're seeing now. And I, th- I think you absolutely need to have that. I think the second thing is it's okay if we have estimates. At the end of the day, emissions are estimates of estimates. I've been doing this for a long time. It's okay if it's not measured to the nth level of decimal place. Companies will get better over time. Recognizing where we are at a maturity means that sometimes the numbers Aren't going to be as super accurate as you think they could or should be, but they're in the right direction. They're in the right ballpark, and they will get better over time. Those two caveats, I think, will help us with the numbers. Okay,
0: what do you think, John?
1: No,
2: I, I think you hit it spot on. I think Sammy's right, and I think I think the point about you know having those goals and then following up and to see where you land it is definitely something that you want to do as we go forward. Yeah, I'd, I'd say at this point, estimates are better than the alternative, which, which we've been living with. So I think looking at those numbers and seeing if you're if you're hitting them uh, from a budgetary perspective on the carbon footprint, for example, and are people making the right choices is something that you want to do as well.
0: Yep. I always think about it as, you know, you need data because without data, you're just another person with an opinion. And so this really ties it back into and makes it really real for people so that that makes a lot of sense, I think the second takeaway that I have here is that sustainability. isn't just a program it isn't just something that's being forced on an organization through regulation it's actually a value that can help an organization grow both externally and internally. It's a retention tool. It's a way to position yourselves with your customers. It's a way to actually grow your business. And by making this part of your corporate values, it makes it easier to work through as a program
1: absolutely uh, and an easy frame to think about that just to build on that that value statement is it allows companies to go do a lot of different things in a lot of different dimensions there is a defensive risk mitigation play making sure I'm compliant making sure I'm reporting for the regulations but there is a massively offensive play right whether it's beating the next company in terms of my turnover rate or my retention rate using my sustainability to drive growth um, to get new customers to get new market share those are all offensive plays. Those are value creation. Those are monetization activities. And companies that do this well, think about it in both dimensions. It just, um, I grew up playing basketball. So you gotta play offense and defense and it is a team sport, but and ultimately it's it's that right mix of skills, the right balance of offense and defense that's gonna get you to you know win the game or win the tournament, so to speak, so.
2: Yeah, the companies that do that are, are gonna succeed, not only for the good of the globe, But the good of their, you know, their earnings, the good of their employees, and the good of their customers. So, couldn't agree more. And
0: then the final thing I have, I'm gonna lay back on an old saying: "Rome wasn't built in a day, and neither is sustainability." That's my new end to the to the whole process. It's not the idea that we can't do it; we can do it, but it's going to take some work. And it's the question of how effectively can we do it, it kind of ties back into that idea Sammy that you had earlier around the numbers. And being able to verify what's happening it ties back john to what you were saying about the measurements. But this is an ongoing process and we're starting this process now we're not going to be expert at it right away, but we're going to grow into it over time and that grow that idea that we're not good at it at first doesn't mean we should put it to the side because we aren't good at it. We should be really working at getting better at it.
1: It is definitely that multi-step journey I talked about. It's, yeah. It'll take time. It'll take patience. Will we get things wrong? Absolutely. But it's I I truly am an optimist. I I think when people put their minds to anything, and in this case, sustainability, we'll find a way. We'll find a way to get to the other side. But we have to be patient. Like, that doesn't mean we got to wait 7,000 years to be clear on that, Uh, because we can't. (laughs) Uh, But equally, I think think there are opportunities for us to recognize that someone's not going to go from, you know, X million tons of CO2 to zero overnight. That's not practical. We're not all of a sudden going to go out and, you know, all switch to electric cars because the infrastructure isn't there. So it's a shared problem. We have to put the right incentives. We have to put the right infrastructure. We have to put the right mechanisms. The technology has to develop, right? We're already thinking about things like electric planes. Like I can't wait to go fly one already, but I know that's not for a few years out, right? That uh, until it becomes in commercial value. So uh, I, I think we have to be patient, but patience doesn't mean lethargy. We can't just sit here and go, eh, somebody else will fix it. And 10 years from now, it'll be somebody else's problem can't procrastinate our way out of it. We do have to be some, we have to do something about it and taking that first step in that journey, you know, is absolutely critical. And sometimes the first step is just, you know, having a conversation like we're doing. Right. And last quick thought on that is also it's, it takes us as two large organizations to get together and love to have this conversation with other organizations around this. So, yes.
2: Yeah. I think you said it very well, Sam. I don't know how much I can add to that other than I would just say. To your point, Gene. Let's use what we have today. It's gonna get better. The, you know, the reporting and the tools are gonna get better. But getting people in your organization accountable for reaching the goals you set, talk about how they can contribute to reaching these goals. That's gonna be successful for everybody, and it's only gonna get better. You know, as you say, Rome wasn't built in a day. But using what we have, you know, is is not bad. Not a bad start. So and given given the push and you know the dire aspects of what we're facing if we don't do this i think has made you know the generations uh, that are coming up behind us very keen on making it work
0: so i think the i think you're right this is a muscle that needs to be exercised and and honed so I want to thank you both both john and sammy for joining me here today, it was really insightful and I hope you'll come back again, and we can continue our conversation. Maybe go a little bit deeper into the reporting, once we get that SEC regulation out there, maybe we can provide some insights and some some guidance to our customers on on and all of our audience on how they can move forward as with those come through, so thank you again for being here with me.
1: Oh, no, our pleasure. And, and, and honestly, I'd love to hear back from the listeners. What can we do better in the product that makes your life easier in your sustainability journey? Like that, to me, I'm always curious, and that's part of the reason I love these discussions. Like, how can we make it easier? What, what are we missing that helps you enable that to sustainability goals? But no, thank you for the opportunity to, to to speak today. So love the conversation.
2: Thank you, Gene. We really appreciate it. Looking forward to see what's coming up next. And as Sammy says, love to hear the feedback.
0: Yes. we'll we'll certainly get that to you. And that's a call to everybody here, a call to action to our audience. Please let us know what you're thinking and and what you heard that stuck with you today and what you wish we'd, we'd talk a little bit more about the next time. So thank you for listening to this episode of the SAP Concur Conversation podcast. To hear more exclusive insights and interviews from the world of business travel, expense, and invoice processing, be sure to subscribe and listen wherever you find your podcasts. And please join us again for our next SAP Concur Conversation.